like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast where we have the opportunity to sit down and learn from and listen to Yarra old grammarians. And we unpack a little of their experience of school life and see how that has shaped them and equipped them and prepared them for life beyond school. All the twists and turns and ups and downs that that life offers. And today I'm absolutely delighted, bursting out of my skin to bring you a conversation with Josh Simmons from the class of 2013. Josh is an Olympian <laughs> and forever will be a Olympian, a medalist. He's a member of the Kookaburras Australian men's hockey team and a silver medalist at Tokyo 2021. <laughs> and in fact, Josh first had a hockey stick put into his hands one Friday afternoon for inter-school sport in junior school at Yarra Valley Grammar. He had a bit of an affinity for the game and his teacher introduced him to local hockey through the Doncaster Hockey Club and he showed talent, he showed potential and with some coaching, with some guidance, with some game time, mixed with ups and downs of learning the craft, he continued to strive and he continued to set goals for himself and sure there were some disappointments sure there have been some uh, mighty highs and selection but also some disappointment along the way Josh continued to hone his craft and he joined the men's national squad in mid 2018 and then he made his debut for the Kookaburras against Argentina later in that same year in the 2018 Darwin International hockey open and now along with being a yog of 2013 amongst his proudest achievements are his silver olympic medal from tokyo 2021 please enjoy this conversation with josh simmons from the class of 2013 josh thanks for joining us welcome to the program and i wonder if we might begin by just exploring with us did you have a, a favourite place on site at Yarra? Where would we go if we were looking for Josh Simmons? Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Um, I think we start in probably my favourite place on campus is um, my best mate in Year 12, um, Cam Buxton, um, still in regular, still my best mate to this day. We used to probably every recess and lunch, um, the way it worked out is you'd come, especially in senior school, you'd come down from the Year 12 building down the hill past the old offices there and in front of the Patterson over there used to be some seats um, kind of just up from the pavilion and um, we just used to hang out there <laughs> with a few mates most lunches muck around you know play frisbee or whatever it was on the uh, on the oval um, and yeah it's pretty good pretty good memories I still talk to Cam regularly and we talk about how we probably hung out probably the most out of anyone on these two bench seats in front of the Patterson Oval down there, just watching the, watching the world go by at recess and lunch. Yeah, very good. And, and in fact, those, those bench seats are still there. And uh, I think a new crew have moved in. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that over time, those places that are, are special to you 
become and you have to allow it to become special to somebody else. Tell, t- take us into the classroom. Where was a place where you really enjoyed yourself, your time at Yarra in a classroom? Was it in the maths classroom? Was it uh, in the art room? Um, I think probably my favourite, I'd probably say my favourite room probably was the year 12 building. I in, I enjoyed year 12. I think I was in like, oh, I forget I forget exactly what tutor it was. I know Mr. Champion was my tutor, was upstairs um, in the year 12 building. Had most of my classes in that room, um, liked business management, liked PE studies. It was in that kind of, um, in that area, the year 12 building. Um, so that was probably my favorite, yeah, building at the school. Um, but in terms of in terms of classroom, I loved my sport. So I guess my PE rec class, um, you know, going down to the complex or, um, you know, after school sport on the hockey field or the footy ovals, the soccer pitches, all that kind of stuff um, yeah. was my favorite area. But yeah, classroom is probably the 12 building. Sure, sure. So Saturday sport for you, what what did that look like? How, how did you approach that? Was that a, a buzz to get up on Saturday morning and be able to get out there with your mates? What sports did you play? Yeah, so I started in year seven. Um, I was kind of fortunate the school kind of, because I was playing, still playing hockey then obviously outside school. Um, so I was fortunate enough to make the first hockey team in year seven. Um, so I kind of had agreed that if I hadn't made that first team, I'd go play footy with my mates. If I had made that first team, I would do that as part of my development as a hockey player because obviously it was going to be beneficial playing with older people. Um, so I was fortunate enough to make that. So that was really, really exciting as a year seven playing against big years, you know, 10, 11, 12s, scary at times, but good fun. Um, had people like in my sister's year level, they were in year nine at that time. I had people like Tony Cook and Hugh Cooper. They're all Yarra Valley old grammarians as well. Um, so I had them looking out for me and then I played basketball in summer, um, with some mates. And then in about year nine, a few of us switched over to volleyball, um, just randomly decided to do it. Um, and we really, really loved it. Uh, and Mr. Wallace, um, kind of took us under our wing a little bit and had that next crop of volleyballers coming through. And we played that at the school sports victoria championships nationals all that kind of stuff agsv champions all the way through to year 12 so we um were quite successful at it and i think i really loved playing hockey for the school for sure but in my last few years i loved playing volleyball train it was good cross training for me with hockey but on saturday mornings going down to the you know danny nong to play was a great escape from hockey um fun with my mates i got a long roll really really well with mr wallace um and yeah, like I said, it was a general escape from the uh, rigors of, of elite hockey. Yes. And now, obviously, we, we're going to talk about hockey in a moment, but I, I wonder, do you have a thought or a perspective around the, the head start that being skillful in sport in terms of traction, not only in your own year level, but, but you mentioned there that you quickly were noticed and and sort of cared for by some older kids. And and what does that mean for a young bloke coming in at year seven to have had the big kids actually looking after him? Yeah, I think it was definitely cool. I mean, Yarra's not like a school where, you know, you walk around and the big kids pick on the small kids, like kind of thing. But I think it was really cool actually walking down a corridor from the year seven building to, you know, um, 
the computer rooms, I don't know if they're still there, used to always be in the year nine where the year nine locker rooms were, for example, like I think, what was it? One, seven, three and all those kind of rooms, I think. So, you know, you'd walk into there and you see all these, you know, mates that were on the hockey field that you'd, you know, see. And I guess that was, um, it kind of made you feel a bit more welcome in the school. Um, but also, yeah, I think it was just a bit of a, a bit of a cool buzz, a bit of bragging rights as a year seven, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely, and and there's a sense of belonging when when people know you and 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 people outside of your year level know you. I, th- I think that 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 definitely helps, and it, it sort of, you know, it's pretty cool, isn't it? You puff out your chest a little bit, and uh, yeah, and it, I guess a, those a, those roles kind of reverse as well because then when I was in year, what was I year nine, year ten? Um, guy called Ben Rennie was in the exact same position as me as a young year seven coming through. And then a few years later, Jamie Rennie, exactly his brother, was in the exact same position. And it kind of, and I'm sure there's other people in that position right now um, that, you know, the year nines and year tens are looking out for them and that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's terrific. Take, take me back even earlier, if, if it's right, uh, in terms of when you actually started at Yarra. Do you remember what year did you come in at Yarra? Um, I actually did ELC at Yarra. Um, did you? Yeah, oh, so wow. I think we used to live in Lilydale and then I think um, my sister Caitlin was in year one, I think, when she started at Yarra. So I think we've been living here about 20-odd years. So around around probably 2000 we moved here um, and I started, yeah, ELC and then went through to prep. So um, started right back then at Yarra um, and, yeah, had I'm still in contact with teachers. I mean, stuff was put on Facebook about me um, going to the Olympics and people like Phil Bissett and, and you know, Alan Garber, who's left ages ago. But those kind of guys, like, commenting, sending messages, like, it was great. I did had a um, had a Zoom meeting with uh, Bronwyn Dandy, who was my prep teacher. She's no longer at Yarra, but um, I think she teaches Ivanhoe or something like that. Had a Zoom call with her kids the other day. So there's regular contact with teachers, Um which I haven't seen in, in 10 years, but um, yeah. regularly talk to them. So that was pretty cool. But, yeah, my start yeah. my start at Yarra, really loved it. Um, gave me lots of opportunities. Uh, I think probably my junior school, again, I know it's away from the classroom, but my favourite was the sport. We used to always do Friday afternoon sport. Mm. Um, you used to be able to pick a, pick a sport you wanted to do for a little bit, um, and that's exactly how I got into hockey. I just – I picked hockey with um, – my mate Nicky McLennan on a afternoon in I think it was grade four or something like that and we played on the old tennis courts which I think is now where the maths and science building is I think there used to be old green tennis courts there so we we got to play hockey there um and Grant Allison who was a grade four teacher at that stage he was a member of Doncaster Hockey Club and he um kind of said you know Nicky and Josh you got a bit of a knack for this why don't you go down and try um, a little hook into hockey program and like the equivalent of Auskick in hockey. Um, and then, yeah, we played for a couple of seasons together and then I continued on. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. That, that, so, but prior to that, prior to your exposure in junior school to hockey, um, you, ha- you hadn't necessarily picked up a stick before. No, it was literally just, we went to like the undercover area in front of the library and you sit in your yeah. classes. Um, and the teachers said, you know, like, what do you want to do? And there was a blue bin of hockey sticks. And we said, oh, we'll go play hockey. And then just, yeah, grabbed a hockey stick and walked up to the tennis courts. And then that's it. I, I, I love that story because I can tell you that <laughs> Friday afternoons, when we're able to play Friday afternoon sport in our junior school, they still meet underneath that covered area outside the library. And, uh, 
and they still get the option, you know, do you want to play this or this or this? And uh, and I love that 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 story, the reality, the truth behind giving it a go, having a go, um, a little bit of an interest, and then if you pursue that, maybe you've got a bit of a knack for it. And uh, and I also love that that then further down the track when it came time where you were playing lots of hockey that you then tried something different, volleyball, and you really enjoyed that. And 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 obviously you had a, a you know, sporting ability and coordination and balance and all of those important things, but a little bit of an interest, maybe because of some friends, but you then take that on and, and have a go and have fun along the way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's um yes. yeah, definitely definitely the way I would see that Friday afternoon sport and the have a go aspect of junior school. Um yes. that was definitely part of it. That's fantastic. That's that's great. Look, I think school can have a really strong influence on your character and your character has been put to the test, at least in a sporting uh, field and, and on the sporting arena. And I wonder if you can describe the, the bigger picture of Yarra and how that has perhaps helped shape who you are. Yeah, I think definitely. And that's that's a question I was thinking about um, in preparing for this. I think Yarra, looking back on it, um, allowed me the opportunity to pursue my sport as well. Um, and I can go into more detail about that later, but I think they taught me a lot of resilience. And I think in the, there's lessons in that resilience aspect in the classroom that are carried over to the hockey field. And I think in, in a high performance pressure environment, non-selections, injuries, all those kind of things, that's the natural part of it. Um, and I think Yara in teaching me that resilience aspect definitely even if it subconsciously helped me over the last few years in dealing with you know down moments or um you know there's been plenty of non-selections haven't made every single team you know it's not that's not how it works and i've you know missed out on yeah plenty of teams because of injury or or wasn't good enough um and i think yeah that resilience piece but i think also yara helped me a lot in the last few years with time management i was really really busy away from the classroom and school with hockey. I remember my year 12 year, I had the Easter holidays, I was away for a tournament. The middle middle year holidays, I was away for a tournament. And then the September holidays, which was meant to be preparation for all the exams, I had um, a couple of you know trips and trainings I had to do there. Um, and the teachers understood that, they allowed me to um, pursue that other passion because I kind of had a natural progression going there and I didn't let my studies slip but, um, you know, I was able to do an extra subject in year 11, for example, to be able to do one less subject in year 12. All those kind of things that Yara was able to um, provide to me, which I think looking back was invaluable because I definitely would not have been able to cope in year 12. Something would have had mm. to slip and then obviously I couldn't not do exams and not do the classroom. So obviously hockey would have taken um, a bit of detriment there. Yes, yes. That's, I, I think that's powerful and and beautiful reflection on the impact that that Yara has had on you and and because I guess they've accommodated your passion and wanted to give you every opportunity but also still valuing the importance of education and and doing as well as you can there so I, I like that the school and the leadership and the your teachers were able to make that work and I think as well um the valuable the value of a team and working in a team was something that I definitely got from Yara I used to do athletics till probably about 15 and the reason I stopped that is because it was so 
individual and I didn't like running around in circles by myself. I liked interacting with people. Um, and yeah, whether it was interacting um, as a common goal as a school group to, you know, whatever the, whatever the goals were in that particular classroom or year or interacting with people in the playground or interacting with teachers, you know, trying to problem solve, um, all those kind of things I think helped me work in a team environment, which is what I do for a job now, obviously. Um, and that's something I think looking back, volleyball was invaluable with was that team aspect and, you know, seven or eight blokes coming together with Mr. Wallace and we loved it, but we were also a tight knit group and we, you know, spoke about how each person was feeling and all that kind of stuff, um, which is what I still do to today. I, I sit in a room with 27 other professional hockey players and we talk about, you know, personal stuff and all that kind of thing um, to achieve a, a goal. And I think I, I learned that that definitely came through from 10 years ago at Yarra. Mm, mm. Josh, I, I'm thrilled to, to be able to speak with you. And by way of introduction, we're speaking now with Josh Simmons from the class of 2013, who some of you will recognise his face. Some of you will recognise his name. He is a yog from the class of 2013. He's also a 2021 silver medalist at the Olympic Games. Josh, welcome and thank you for joining us on this uh, special Father's Day edition to not only wish our fathers a happy birthday, but but to acknowledge all of our parents and the adults in our lives, the significant adults and the influence that they've had. Josh, I wonder if you could uh, take us to the Olympics. And you're in the Kookaburras. You've got a role in a team. What does it mean to you to now have the title, not only of being a Kookaburra, but also an Olympian from 2021, what a year it was, how desperately we needed it, we wanted it, we loved it from home watching and cheering, and, and but you were there. Can you take us into that moment for, for just a, a snippet or two? Yeah, def- that's a good question. Um, I think probably finding, I found out um, in the start of June and I think when I found out and I saw my name was on the list, I it was a real surreal moment because I thought, well, I'm going to be an Olympian for life. No one can take that away from me. Even if we come stone last, I can still say that I was, you know, one of 4,000 or however many Olympians there's been for Australia. So um, that was pretty incredible. I think the moment it really sunk in was first game against Japan. We were all sitting in, you know, 16 of us sitting in a change room with, um, you know, our our top's on, it's got an Olympic rings and it's got, the, you know, on the crest, um, it's got your cap number, all that kind of stuff. It's a special T-shirt, it's a special occasion um, and everyone's nervous, more nervous than just playing a random test match. Um, and I think that was probably the moment I realised that, yeah, I'm in the Olympics, I'm an Olympian. As soon as that first whistle goes, I've made the Olympics, I've officially played a game. Um, and I guess I was really, really nervous, but I kind of built throughout the tournament um but that first game definitely wasn't just a normal game it was something special i guess yeah i appreciate the honesty there because lots of athletes try and tell us that that when they're reaching the pinnacle whether it's a grand final or or a kick after the siren or or whether it's uh you know the olympics they try and treat it like any other game and 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 we we kind of think oh come on like the hype and the buzz and even though there's no crowd necessarily in your experience it is different isn't it you you're aware of that yes definitely you you um 
you can go in with the mindset that it's just any other game. But for example, you know, in the final or the when we played the quarterfinal against Holland, semi-final against Germany, final against Belgium, um, you have a heightened intensity and you put it all out there. You know, you 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 like to think that in any other game you'll put everything into it and you'll dive for every single ball. But in reality, sometimes you might not do that, and that's just part of you know elite sport. But yeah, in those I felt in those quarterfinal, semi, and final, the intensity with of the game everyone was just going all out and you can't you can't hide in those moments you have to play big in those moments you have to you have to pass the ball and, and do that penetrating pass or take that risk or take that player on or make that gutsy tackle because if you don't they're going to run up the other you know the other players are doing that they're going to run and score and then you know you've let your team down and i think that's that was a big thing for us was that each 16 of the players each individual player on the field you had to play your role in those last few big games because if you didn't, you were letting down the guy beside you. And, you know, that's in a way in our culture is built on that that's a bit of a selfish act. You have to, you know, play big in those moments. You've been picked for a reason. Um, so I definitely felt that at the end of that tournament, it wasn't just any other game. <laughs> you couldn't treat it like that. <laughs> Absolutely, and 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 you're right. You you had played some big games in the lead up, and and your own form grew as you went through the the tournament, which is awesome. And uh, and and you know, thanks to Channel Seven, we we got to be there, and uh, and and I can assure you that there were lounge rooms across across the world, but certainly across Australia, particularly Victoria, particularly around our school, that were absolutely there cheering you on and, and finding your name on the back of your top and, and so proud of that that experience and that moment for you. Would you say at the end of it, because silver medal, like nobody can take away that you're you're an Olympian, you're a silver medalist, but straight after the game, the 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 grand final, the final, the the decider, it's gold or it's silver, and there was there was it was awkward, wasn't it? It was it was emotional and it was um, it was tense and nervous and disappointing and yet also such joy and, and exhilaration all <laughs> all mixed up all in one go. Can you can you take us into there? And and if you would, um, can you take us through some of those penalty shots? Because we're we're what are we? We're one all at the end of regular time. We're one all. We're we're playing against uh, who are we against? Belgium. And we're one all, so that means what? What's the rules from there on? What has to yeah. happen? So it used to be, yeah, it used to be extra time. Um, you'd play like seven and a half each each way, and then it wasn't golden goal. And then at the end of that period, those two periods, you'd go to a shootout. Um, and then for some reason, a few years ago, the FIH, which is like the international body of hockey, they changed it um, for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, we pretty much yeah went straight to shootouts. We were prepared to do that. Um, there's probably about eight of us that sometimes just take them. Um, you've got to want to take it because it's a pressure situation and it's fine to say no. I think two of the other guys on that night said, nah, not for me tonight, which is, you know, that's big of them to say that because you'd hate to be up there and not want to take it. Um, so obviously I was one of the people to take it. wasn't successful, but um, I think you like live and learn from those situations. I know if I'm in a big situation again, big game um, and have to do a shootout I'll be better for missing that shootout just like the other three guys that missed it will be better for it as well um, but 
it's tricky. Like it can go either way in those shootouts. The the game of hockey, and this isn't making an excuse, but the game was drawn one all. Um, and shootouts are a funny thing. Like you, you would rarely, I know, like you'd rarely see in a game of hockey, someone running in with no pressure from behind, no pressure in front against a one-on-one and a goalie. It rarely happens. So like, you know, in a soccer, for example, you see penalties and you see set shots all the time, but you rarely see that kind of situation in hockey. So it's a skill that, um, is really important in our game. But also, I'd love to see extra time in, in those kind of situations. So, right. I think the feeling after was, yeah, it was pretty raw. <laughs> it was pretty hard. There was a lot of, um, a lot of emotion in the change room, um, and there still is that kind of like sour feeling. And um, I was talking to my Victorian Institute of Sport coach the other day, just catching up with him, and he he's an ex um, Kookaburra as well, Jay Stacey, and he's. Um, won silver before the Olympics and he said it's a really hard feeling because if you're in an athletics race or a swimming race you've swum your heart out you run your run your race and you've won silver but you feel like in a team sport that you've lost gold so that's Mm. kind of a bit of a hard feeling but each day that goes by I look at the medal and I understand like it's such a great achievement and I think that really set in when the boomers had the really good result of winning bronze um and that's like incredible but when i look at it i would definitely want to have a silver medal rather than a bronze medal and then that kind of sets in stone for me that yes we lost the gold but we also won silver and we lost in a shootout you know it was a very very close shootout as well and yes is what it is so sure sure so where's the silver medal now is it uh do you have it on the wall is it in your top drawer uh, yeah you, it's at, it's at home so i i had to leave really early um to get back to melbourne quarantine so they were giving out these boxes the day after um or a couple of days after like display little wooden you know um veneer uh boxes to display the medal in but i didn't get one so that's being sent to me so at the moment it's just sitting um, on a little cushion so it doesn't get scratched in my uh, in my room and then i'll probably yeah i, I might do like a, i got my stick signed and my shirt signed and all that kind of stuff so i might do a bit of a um you know display like a um photo frame kind of thing yeah yeah that's something like that, so. awesome for anybody to get to an elite level there's obviously lots of training lots of practice lots of hard work by the athlete themselves by you but I imagine that there's probably a fair team around you and, and your family ride the bumps and the, the early mornings and the training with you. Tell, tell me a little bit about the significance of family for you, your family. Definitely. It's, um, yeah, we talk about like our, you know, support crew and our immediate support crew is your family and there might be one or two really close friends there, but in the end it's your partner, your sibling and your um, parents. And they're, yeah, they're, um, you, you can't kind of put into words exactly how um, much they do. But I think looking back, every single junior state team or national team I made, you know, that cost money to go away. Um, they have to drive me there. All those kind of sacrifices that they make. Um, and I know they love it and they love being part of it. But in the end, it is a bit of a sacrifice sometimes for them. Um, but they've, yeah, they've ridden every high and every low. They're always, uh, obviously, live lived in Perth the last few years so they haven't been there as much especially with COVID happening with the borders and stuff but um, they're always a call away um, and that has been a little bit tough on them not being able to get across and it was really tough on mum and dad not being able to come to Tokyo to watch 
Um, but they made the best out of it and obviously um, made a big deal and put up balloons and all that kind of banners and all that kind of stuff around the house. Um, but yeah, their support, especially of mum and dad throughout my younger years was invaluable and definitely would not have been in position and not many people going to the Olympics have done that by themselves. Yes. Look, I, I remember myself as a young a young lad growing up and, and kicking the footy and, and my dad would kick the footy and my dad played footy and, and so he was able to kick it back to me and, and you know, we, dad taught me lots of things about the sport that I enjoyed. You you hadn't kind of grown up with hockey until you know maybe grade four, grade five. How 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 did Dad go with uh, with helping you with hockey? Well, that footy example was pretty much us out on the driveway right there. Um, but then yeah, when I started playing hockey, um, I don't even think yeah there was never anything like oh you should play footy mate or whatever it is or you should go play you know you should keep doing your athletics or whatever that was. I think he just ran with it and. Um, obviously he has a very big understanding of the game now through watching at the level he's watched us and me talking to him about it. Um, but in those younger years, yeah, it's an interesting question. I haven't even thought about it because there never was a problem with me, um, doing hockey and him, um, you know, being involved in it. We you know we never like hit a ball together because <laughs> he wasn't able to hit it back to me or trap it. But, um, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, throughout all those years and since he's gained more understanding, um, I think the major role that he's had since um, me going into the Kookaburras is, you know, as a a 15 to maybe 20-year-old, he'd have answers. I'd ask questions and say, you know, well, why do you reckon I wasn't picked there or why, you know, why is that person doing that and I'm not doing that? Because I was a boy, he had answers for that. But since I've transitioned to playing men's hockey and, you know, parents have to take a backward step in terms of offering advice and offering answers sorry and he just kind of talks to me from the point of view that oh maybe that person's thinking that way or you know maybe um you know not necessarily giving answers but just you know go work harder or um all those kind of things as a sounding board for me um rather than you know having that having that answer that you get as a as a boy Yes. No, and, and I, I really appreciate that because the role the role of dad changes. Um, you know, there's there is a point where and, and dads like to hold on to this. We we like the idea of knowing more than than our children, you know, and, and for a particular point we still do. And then in your scenario, you obviously outstretched dad in terms of your ability and knowledge around a particular field of you know, in this case, elite sport hockey. And, and so dad, his role then changes and it becomes um, cheer squad and it becomes supporter and encourager. And and sometimes um, it's it's kind of somebody to catch, you know, when, when, when things haven't gone well. Other times it's, it's somebody who can give you a different perspective on things because his maturity and life experience contributes, you know, something different than what you're feeling, you know, right in the moment. So a shout out to all of our dads because uh, we, we love our dads and and particularly this weekend coming up, um, happy Father's Day to all our dads. I, I wonder if we might now just transition to a moment where we offer something to the, the, the students, to the kids who might be watching this, and they might be watching this with dad and they might be listening in. Um, is there any advice that you either have received, whether it's from 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 your dad or a, a significant coach or something, that that kind of 
might be a general advice or guidance or suggestion or encouragement to young people? Um, I think I have talked to a few people about this. It's a bit, um, it's a bit, I, I remember it clearly, but it's a bit blunt, but this is the way I work. And obviously dad understands how I work and you know, your kids or anyone else's kids work differently. So you might give different advice, but I remember I missed out on a team in under 16s, I think it was. And for me, and like any kid that missed out on a team in elite sport, it's the end of the world, you know, the sky's going to fall in kind of thing. But obviously it wasn't. Um, and when I look back on it now, I was the only Victorian to make the Kookaburras Olympic teams. Obviously no one from that under 16 team that I missed out on has 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 um, gone to the next level. So it obviously wasn't the end of the world. But I remember I was kind of making that progression into playing seniors hockey and he said, like, if you really want to do this and you really want to go to the next level, I remember his words were, um, just be the best and they can't not pick you. And that's something that works for me. It might not work for other kids, but for me, I was playing elite and it got to that point where I kind of had to make a decision where I was going to um, just do participating in this sport or I was going to try and take it to the next level, still having fun and all that kind of stuff. But I remember I kind of flicked a switch after having that conversation with dad and I did a lot of extras, you know, I went to, I did a lot of extra fitness sessions. I did a lot of extra skill sessions. And then when I came back the next year, I breezed into that state team and I was one of the better players there. And his advice was if you're in the top one, two or three, they can't not pick you. If you're number 15, 16, 17, they can go, oh, maybe that player's a bit better or maybe he did that. And then, you know, it can be a bit iffy. And I think that's one thing that I still use to this day and it gives me great motivation is when it's like raining outside or it's, you know, a crappy day or I'm not in the mood or I'm hungry or whatever and everyone else is relaxing, I kind of find motivation from that conversation with dad to go and do an extra run without overdoing it or go and do some extra skills because I know in six months' time that helps me and that definitely did help me. You know, I was able to keep running out games, you know, in the quarter, semi and final in, in Tokyo and all that kind of stuff. And I think that mindset has been instilled from that conversation I had, what now, is that eight years ago, maybe nine years mm. ago with dad. Mm. So I think, That's awesome. I, yeah, I think the, bet, the big thing I take from that is that that advice worked for me, wouldn't work for a particular other person, but I think dads always know how to interact with their, with their son and daughter, obviously. Um, you know, to be able to to get that message across as efficiently as possible. Yeah, that that's great. Steve Martin, a great comedian and and um, film star, he he said, "Be so good that they can't ignore you." And it, it, it's it's a similar idea, isn't it? That you 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 do the work. And what I love about what you've shared there is sometimes you've got to do the work when nobody else is watching. You've got to do the work and be motivated yourself, even when you don't feel like it. Yeah, and I think. Uh, and it wasn't taking it too seriously that I was going to get burnt out and it wasn't fun because I enjoyed doing that. So I would enjoy going for a run or I was never, you know, pushed so hard as a 17 or 18 year old that I was like, you know, this sucks, but I'm going to go do a run because I loved the feeling I got after it. And it was almost like a bit of a high, like that, you know, I had done that work. And then when I saw my name on the list, I was like, well, it was all worth it. And now it's so much fun because I'm able to do things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't done that extra work. So um, I still enjoy hockey and I still enjoy pushing myself just like 27 other guys in the squad enjoy doing, pushing ourselves to the limit, you know, 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want you to embarrass me. So I've got a hockey stick here, and, and but I don't have a ball, so therefore I, I can't try any of these things. But if, if I was an aspiring hockey player and and – what are some what are some things that are good for me to do? Like in terms of practice, are there things like should I do something inside while I'm watching the TV, or should I get out in the backyard and be careful of the windows? Or like, what are some things that I could be doing with my hockey stick to there's, get yeah, better? There's plenty of windows I've broken and plenty of skirtings <laughs> that probably still have hockey ball marks on it. I used to dribble a hockey ball in the ad breaks at home, and mum and dad, when I was actually in Tokyo, they got the carpet replaced. And they said that the worst, the carpet that had been worn down the most was in the lounge room in this little, you know, one metre square bit where I used to do drags the whole time. So, um, yeah, if there's kids out there playing hockey, don't dribble on the carpet because your parents will have to replace the carpet. Um, but I think, I think for me, uh, the massive thing with practising hockey as a young kid and still talk about it is like basics, basics, basics. So if you use it as a obviously a bit more of a popular sport like footy, is marking handball and kicking if you're not able to do that you're not going to be able to play the game of footy very well so um, we still do every single morning at training we do basic flow through drills if it's dribbling passing trapping um, even at the elite level it's not as much about the, it's it is about tactics but it's about those fundamental skills so i would say if there's any aspiring hockey players out there just learning you're dribbling your trapping and your passing is the most important skills in hockey. And an analogy I use is if you're a fullback standing, taking a free hit out of the back, there's no way you're going to dribble the whole field and score a goal. You will have to make a pass and you will have to trap a ball to get 80 yards to the other end. So you have to be able to do those skills. You know, mm. you're never going to dribble all the way up and score a goal. It's not going to happen. So what you're saying is that you, you a silver medal, Olympic Games 2021, you still do those drills? Yep. So when I was in Perth, I used to do um, some each day. I would have some like injury prevention exercises and stretching, but also in between that, I would do some um, dribbling in around the house. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I, I love that. I think that's outstanding. Um, Josh, thank you for that little snippet. And, uh, and, and we'll share some of those bits and pieces with, uh, with our Father's Day audience. But we'll continue on if you've still got some time and you've been really generous. Um, I wonder if we can launch back into uh, your experience at Yarra and, and maybe some uh, we, we, I'm going to say we now, I've always up until now been honest and said, I like to call this, but I'm now going to in include others who are our listening audience. We like to call this the lightning round. And it's a little bit like, I don't know, I, I'm just going to pull on an analogy here that's not going to work, but it's a little bit like a shootout where I'm going to fire a few questions at you and I just want uh, your reflexes to throw back at me. Yep. Josh Simmons from the class of 2013. What house were you in at Yarra? Plumber. And were plumber any good in those days? Uh, no, we weren't that good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I didn't. What was your best contribution to plumber? Um, probably on the sporting field, athletics. I wasn't a very good swimmer, but house athletics, they are good. And cross country, I could pull my weight. <laughs> yes, yes. How did you travel to school? Uh, I walked. I live in Tandara State, so I'm just across the road from Yarra. Handy. What would we find regularly in your lunchbox? Um, in my lunchbox, I used to love mum's homemade cookies. So I'd have that every recess pretty much. 
Good on your mum. Shout out to the mums. Yep. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, what was your first car? My first car was a Ford Falcon XR6. Color? Uh, Grey, 2007 model. It's still got it? Uh, no, I do not have it. No, no. I have a uh, Volkswagen Touareg at the moment. Very nice, very nice. Would you prefer, I think I know the answer to this, you can't say, well, you won't say neither, but would you prefer house swimming or house aths? Um, I would prefer house aths. Yes. And did you have a, a, a particular event? Like was there one that it was you and one other guy and every year it was a, a, a trade-off? Um, well, I used to do athletics, used to be a middle distance runner. Um, so I used to, yeah, love the eight. 800, 400s kind of distance. Um, by the time I got to year 12 was probably my distance. Yes. Was there a, a, a music or a drama or a performance that you were either involved in or as a, an audience member that, that sticks out? Um, I remember in grade six, the production was, what was it? It was Aladdin. Aladdin was the grade six production um, and I was involved in that in some capacity. Um, and then I never played any musical instruments in year eight. I did the trumpet that was in year eight where you had to, you had to do the musical instrument, I think was a year eight. Pro- probably year seven where you get to try. Yeah. Everybody tries something new. I did trumpet, um, there for a little bit. And, and what was your parents feeling about the trumpet? Yeah. I remember I had to take it home over the Easter holidays and they were a bit annoyed. <laughs> 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 is there a, a a book are you a reader is there a book that uh, has had an impact on you i remember i read i read the whole series of like you know lemony snicket um <laughs> in grade yeah i read i read that throughout maybe like end of primary school start of high school um and then all the all the english books i still remember reading to kill a mockingbird um and like i think i, I can't remember what year level i had to do that in but um yeah had to write a few essays on to kill a mockingbird so i could still probably tell you about that <laughs> yes is there a piece of work that you're particularly proud of something that look it may be that you submitted it got feedback had another go at it submitted it again or a, a result that you you know you thought yes i, I really deserve that yep um i remember in i was never uh, the best at writing essays in year 12. And I remember um, I did like heaps of practice essays for the exam, obviously, um, and worked lots with um, Miss Roncevich. And I remember when I got my, um, it's called ATAR now, isn't it? Yeah, when I got when I got that back in, um, at the end of year 12, I looked at like my study scores and that. And I remember in the, in the essay, in the exam component of English, um, I think I got like a, you know, a B plus equivalent or something like that. And that was really, really good for me. And I'd done so much work for it and it was better than all my SAC scores. So I think that was something I was actually really proud of. Yeah. Year eight woodwork. I made a pinball machine, which I still have, um, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) Good work. I love that. That's excellent. Um, Can you recall who were the school captains back in 2013? School captains were Lillian Underhill, who I went to primary school with, and um, Nathaniel Johnson. Excellent. And and as a team player, what do you recognise or appreciate about student leadership? Um, I think they, and this is something I've noticed more um, going with the Kookaburras, is they instill the values and project the values of that group. Um, if they're not um, out in front showing those values to the wider community, then students and, and all that 
don't believe in, and athletes don't believe in their leaders. So I think that's something that I definitely felt in 2013 that the prefects and and the school leaders that were out in front at assemblies or um, public appearances and all that kind of stuff definitely upheld what the values of the class of 2013 2013 were about. Mm, mm. Josh, now that you're back in Melbourne and and you are just an everyday character you're a good bloke you're you're a you know people some people walking down the street you wouldn't recognize you necessarily but you have you've been on the world stage so i'm really going to appreciate and thank you for inviting me over for dinner i'm coming to your place for dinner what what are you going to cook up can you cook yeah i do like cooking cooking is actually one of my hobbies so i do like it um Dad actually bought me, he made a deal with me a few years ago to buy, uh, if I made the Olympics, he'd buy me a big um, offset smoker, like cooking with fire to cook um, meat with. Um, so that's sitting downstairs right now. So um, yeah, I like to cook steak or um, smoke some meat, you know, ribs or brisket, the equivalent kind of stuff. But um, nice. general everyday cooking, I do enjoy. Nice. All right. So take me out of the equation now. I'll give up my spot for somebody else. In fact, three other people from any time in history, any any career, any pursuit, any interest. Who's going to come over for a uh, smoked steak? I don't know. If I thought um, probably someone I'd love to have a, a conversation. I like um, – I'd love to have, it's cliche, but I'd, I'd love to talk to, you know, Michael Jordan or a Floyd Mayweather in terms of like a sporting excellence. Um, another person that I do watch a lot of like videos on, um, Warren Buffett, the investor, Berkshire Hathaway CEO in, in America. Um, I do like my, you know, investing in the principles involved in that kind of stuff. So I'd love to have a conversation with Warren Buffett. Yeah, very nice. Do you have a favorite piece of clothing? Favorite piece of clothing. Um, I do like this Tommy Hilfiger jumper I've got on right now. It's probably my favorite. My partner Chloe bought it for me. She always says that before um, I met her, I had no fashion sense, so she buys all my clothes for me. <laughs> She's helped a lot. Then, well done. Thank you, Chloe. Um, I wonder if uh, if you have a travel destination that once you're allowed to, you haven't yet, but you would like to go and explore. I'd love to go back to New Zealand. I've only been in New Zealand for hockey, so I haven't been able to actually get out and about, but um, I'd love to go, yeah, explore New Zealand. It's pretty picturesque and, and pretty amazing. So I'm definitely overdue for a holiday. Definitely need to take Chloe for a holiday. <laughs> it's just been a, a long road with hockey taking priority. Um, so yes. I think, yeah, we'll definitely be going to New Zealand when that all opens up. Yes. When you're at school, and it might be different now, did you have a nickname? Uh, nickname is Simo and still is. It's pretty uh, original. Standard, yep. Yeah, that's always been <laughs> always been my nickname. It was the nickname on my um, year twelve uh, rugby jumper and and hoodie and that kind of stuff. So yeah, still still have that nickname. Yes, I I read a quote from you just recently, and I wonder if you can flesh it out a little bit as we start heading toward the the end of our time together. It it said you said. Some people want it to happen, some wish it to happen, but others make it happen. Yep, Michael Jordan quote. Um, I think that kind of reflects back to that conversation I had with you about, you know, dad saying, if you really want it, you can go out and, and make it happen. And I think I have seen that 
happen. I've seen myself go out and work really hard. I've definitely seen other people go out and work really hard. And sure enough, you know, it, it happens. And I have a, I have a, a kind of bit of a mentor in hockey, a guy called Greg Reed, who talks to me about, says, you know, it's really, really funny, mate. You know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And that's obviously a cliche old saying, but I think he's obviously, you know, he's, 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 he's um, joking a little bit because luck has nothing to do with it. Like it, it's all has to do with, with hard work. And, you know, I didn't get to a position, I don't think in the Olympics because, someone got injured and I took their last spot. It was complete hard work. There was no luck involved in it. So um, I think, yeah, some people wish it to happen. Others make it happen. It's kind of a big thing for me. Mm, mm. Two, maybe three final questions. Is there something that you do every day that helps you to be your best? Um, um in terms of like a hockey point of view or like for me? Yeah, or? It, it could be. Or are you an early riser? Do you believe in, in sleep? Is there a, a set of affirmations that you work through? Are you careful about what you eat? Yeah, I think I'm definitely careful about um, when I'm in a training phase about what I eat. Um, but I think this year that helped me, I was full-time hockey and I, yeah, I looked after my sleep really, really well. And I looked after my injury prevention, did a I don't even want to tell you how many core exercises and stretches I did because I have a bit of a bad back, so that helped me a lot. Um, so all that kind of stuff, yeah, definitely helps me um, be the best version of myself day in, day out. Fantastic. Josh Simmons from the class of 2013, this is my final question, and it's a, it's a two-parter. What's the one question that you really wish I had asked you? And then can you answer that question? Um... Oh, maybe a who was your favourite teacher at teacher at school? Enough that. <laughs> Do you, all right, I'm happy to go there. <laughs> Lots of people are nervous about a question like that, but jo- hey, Josh, Josh, you're you're a you're an Olympian. You're a hockey superstar. You are a kookaburra. You are a Yarra Old Grammarian from the class of 2013. There are lots of your teachers listening in right now. Who is your favourite teacher from your time at Yarra Valley Grammar? Well, I'll, I'll sit on the fence. I won't say it's necessarily they're all my favourites, but I think one person that helped me the most at Yarra um, and instilled so many values that I use in my elite sport job now um, was Brian Harper. So he used to he used to always be there in the complex, obviously. He used to always walk back and forth from the Oval and all that kind of stuff. Always used to have conversations to him. Um, but he always, he understood elite sport and obviously his kids, you know, Sam and that, obviously have gone in that pathway as well. But he obviously had the elite cricket background and the coaching and stuff. And he always said to me that to master something, you'd, and I still remember him saying this, you have to do it 7,000 hours worth. And he'd always see me training, doing extras on the field, and he'd always come up to me and he'd say, you know, well, how many hours have you done of that skill? And I get, can clearly picture him always telling me, um, you have to do 7,000 7, or whatever the figure was, 7,000 hours of that to master it. And I probably still haven't done, probably still haven't mastered the skill, but that's not the point. It's about always trying to do extra and continually be learning and continually be opening to learning, to doing more hours to master whatever you're doing. And it could, it doesn't, it can, and I use that away from the hockey field, you know, 
mastering a new skill it's not going to be picked up overnight you have to be open to to learning something new by using those hours and hours of work outstanding josh thank you for your time thank you for taking us on the journey thank you for uh revealing what it is to be a a an elite sports person and the the work that's involved and the work that's involved so much behind the scenes yes you get the adoration yes you get the glory yes you get to be part of the kookaburras and and you are a silver medalist you are an olympian nobody takes that away but you don't get there you don't get to wear those that that shirt or that medal without having done the work for years and years and years and and i love that you acknowledge your coaches numbers of times your your teachers and, and who have got alongside you and, and offered thoughts and perspective and advice and wisdom. Your your dad, who, who was there and, you know, not so good at knocking the ball back to you, but had some perspective and, and the, the love and care and support and sometimes sacrifice of your family to help you to be the best version of you. And, and we are very, very proud of you. We loved watching you and, uh, and we thank you for sharing your journey, your story, and we look forward to watching that with interest in in the the weeks and months and years ahead. Congratulations and thank you. Thank you very much and thanks to the Yarra community um, as well for all the support at the Olympics and the Yarra sport, the Yarra um, school in general. I couldn't have wouldn't have started hockey without Friday afternoon sport, so it's definitely a credit to Yarra. <laughs> what a privilege! What an honour to have the opportunity to hear firsthand from from an Olympian. How exciting, how wonderful, how well-spoken. Such a gifted sportsman at an elite level representing his country. And just like your mate from over the fence next door. Terrific insight into what it takes. The wearing and bearing of disappointment and having to pull your socks up probably put your shin guards back in and get back out onto the pitch the next time and strive for more and continue to seek to get the best out of yourself and all that from josh simmons from the class of 2013 what a delight i hope you enjoyed this conversation this brush with fame and notoriety an opportunity to hear firsthand from an olympian and if you know of others who also would appreciate this conversation and, and, and perhaps have ridden some of the highs and lows with Josh alongside him, please share it, show them how to download it, go find their phone and, and show them how to do it and share the message, spread it with others. We'd love you to help us grow the audience of this podcast because as more people like it and follow along and and download and subscribe and enjoy the conversations then more people will find us and they too can be inspired by the stories that come out of this great school please like it share it follow along subscribe so you won't miss another episode of the inspired by yarra podcast looking forward to the next episode where once again (laughs) we'll actually step up into Olympic glory as we get alongside Brendan Smith from the class of 2018 and also track some of his recent Olympic success. We hope you'll join us then. For now, do what you can every day to make a difference in the world around you.